You're listening to the Contemplative Podcast. Contemplative Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Contemplative Podcast with me, Matt Emery, in conjunction with Contemplative Classical and Headphone Commute. Happy New Year and welcome back to a new season of the Contemplative Podcast where I speak to composers, artists, labels, DJs, all about their music and their new records, their writing processes and how they got into music and lots more. If you're new here, welcome. This is episode 22, so please subscribe if you enjoyed and want to hear more. And please feel free to share or give us a like to help spread the word too. And also please delve into our previous podcast too. So in this episode, I speak to the wonderful Brian Fennell, maybe more famously known as Simmel. I had the absolute privilege to meet Brian last year, supporting him at Union Chapel in London, and then also had the honour of touring with him in Europe last spring. As well as being an incredibly nice guy, he is also a phenomenal songwriter, composer, producer and artist, where his music spans through various emotions, moods and genres. And we talk about his new record on Network, titled The Day My Father Died, his recent session for KXP, working with Felek and Guy Garve, collaborating with Lana Del Rey, exploring sound and genres and how he got into music as a kid and lots and lots more. There will be music along the way taken from various EPs and albums that he's released over the last four years starting with this brand new track Howling taken from his new LP. Woke up by your skin I've never felt like this before Brian, welcome to the Contemplative Classical. Thank you for taking time out of your day uh, to come and chat with me today. Um, first off, I know you've just been on a bit of an intimate jaunt around uh, Europe, uh, playing some nice intimate shows. And also, I saw you've been in the KXP studio doing a live session as well. Um, sort of how how's the last month or so been for you? It's been great, man. First of all, thank you for having me. Um, it's good to, good to see your smiling face again. Um, it's been good, man. I mean, anytime you kind of get into promo mode, uh, it can be, it can feel a little bit like, um, unfun, <laughs> but, uh, what we were trying to do this, this time around was to create these smaller sort of, um, shows really where instead of coming to like a boardroom or, or, uh, I mean, the best is when you go to a radio station and it's like lunchtime and you buy pizza for everybody. And then, they're like that's like the bait to get them into the room and <laughs> yeah. sing a couple songs and they're like oh it was great thank you so much um we tried to do more of a intimate setting where it would be like at these small record stores or 
um, intimate settings. It was like in a puppet theater in Amsterdam, which was crazy. It was like this like archaic puppet theater, which was really sort of uh, creepy and special. But um, to to give fans as much as uh, press people like an opportunity to come and, and hear the new music in a in a setting like that. So it's it's been fun. Now settling down for the holidays, which is good too. Yeah. And and how was the KXP session? I've always seen that as just such a, they're so special, those sessions. And like, I really love KXP. Obviously you live in Seattle, but um, I find KXP one of the most amazing radio stations in the world, basically what they do is is great. You know, it's all self-funded and everything. Like how, how, how was it? It was amazing, man. I mean, it's, yeah, like you said, it's in my backyard and and I've not, I've really not done much with KXP as a station over the years uh, living here. Um, so it's, it's always fun. And I was telling them when I, when we came for the session, like, it's so weird to just sort of like leave my driveway and, and come to KXP to do work. Um, because usually I'm used to like flying somewhere to, <laughs> yeah. to, to do it. And, um, yeah, what they do is incredible. It's been like sort of level, uh, standard setting for many, many years, uh, in terms of music discovery and support of, um, you know, the local scene, which is kind of what a radio station traditionally does, but but as you know, and as you've said, like KXP is on a global stage. Uh, so it's it feels like a little bit like hollowed halls to be included in at that at that level. It was crazy, it was a crazy time because um the drummer that we had lined up had gotten sick. The drummer actually played on my new record, uh, is from Seattle, and he was gonna come play at that as well as a couple of local shows. And um he'd gotten really sick, and so we uh we had to sort of like you know, ring the alarm and, 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 uh, this great drummer from LA, uh, came up and saved the day. So it was like the, the hour of sound check that we had for KXP was like the rehearsal for KXP. Oh my God. A little bit bit jarring, but, but always, always a fun challenge as well. Amazing. Amazing. Stressful, but I I guess, uh, yeah, kind of, uh, amazing. Makes it even that more special in, in a weird, weird way. Yeah, well, I'm excited to see it because it sounds, <laughs> I'm sure you can see on everyone's face, like, well, hope this works. Because <laughs> it was live. I didn't know it was live on KXP at the time. I thought it was just a filmed session. Um, and like, you know, oh, let's take another take. You didn't feel good about that? Like, we can get yeah. it. But in some ways, I think mentally it's good to be like, no, this is it and it's live. So don't screw it up. Awesome. And then the videos will be coming out at a later date. Yeah, I think so in the, in the next few weeks. listeners on a bit of a journey of that right we'll kind of start at the beginning it would be great to start at kind of uh yeah a young a young brian like where where did you kind of first f- 
find your music or like your first few records? Was there anything that really grabbed you? And, you know, can you remember wanting to learn an instrument or how did things start for you? Yeah. Well, I'll try to make this as condensed as possible. I grew up in a in a musical home in the sense of there was music playing all the time, but but neither of my my parents were very musical, uh, like from a player standpoint. Um, I remember earliest memories of music. I remember going to like uh, some kids concerts. There were some like local uh, like pop kids artists from the best I can remember. Um, where we'd go, you know, and my parents were worried. Uh, my mom like loves telling the story that I was sort of just comatose, like watching and listening um, while all the other kids were sort of jumping around. And I was just like, you know, just intensely focused on music um, from a pretty young age and would make her sort of set up this like fake band with pots and pans and, and uh, play with me uh, along to like the cassettes or whatever from these artists. Uh, but then Flash forward to like six or seven, um, I we had a piano at home and I started piano lessons with the same teacher actually from when I was about seven till uh, through high school, so many years um, with the same teacher and that was classical. Uh, and I got to pick up drums and guitar in middle school, mostly for the attention of girls, at least that <laughs> I like, thought I would get. Um, turns out though, I think many, many of my like, uh, future girlfriends and stuff would be more intrigued by the piano than than uh, guitar and drums, which is always surprising. Um, and I, let's see, I studied music education um, in university to be a music teacher. I thought I wanted to go back uh, and be a band teacher because that was, those were like the biggest mentors to me growing up uh, were my uh, musical instructors at school. Um, and that's true through university as well. Just had some amazing um, mentors along the way. Um, but but in hindsight, I think it was more more than cultivating this passion for music was uh, really just like learning how to be like who I am and yeah. um, be comfortable in my own skin. Music's a great therapy and a great uh, tool to 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 essentially talk about how you're feeling. Um, and with those mentors, along with some close friends. Uh, who were also into recording at a young age and uh, writing music at a young age is how I sort of started that that path um, early 20s uh, for for writing music and recording music and then eventually starting to play shows um, in college. Started a band called Barcelona that was uh, my main thing for about 10, 10 plus years. Um, and then Simul, my current project, was started right around the end of that band um, in, uh, without any sort of expectation or hope that it would grow into any sort of real job. But here we are a few years later, it being a real job. Um, and yeah, thankful for the, for the musical history I've had and, and, um, yeah, that's kind of the condensed version. Amazing. Well, you, you've kind of, you've perfectly segued into the next question because as, uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, like uh, from what I can see as putting music out of Simul, uh, that started in 2016, uh, as you say, off the back of being in Barcelona. Was that an adjustment kind of going, uh, releasing as a solo artist compared to being in a band or was it just a bit more like freedom having, you know, the uh, 
the freedom to do more I, I've been in many bands so I, I, I get like being solo and being in in a band are completely different things so how was it was it an adjustment period or or was it like quite freeing to be able to kind of like this is what I'm doing now and and yeah have, have your own control of everything that's a good question. I um I've not been in many many bands. It's just been one band really, other than other than this project for me. So <clears throat> I it's a bit like not to make light of of comparing this to like romantic relationships, but it felt like it felt like that was my only partner, and I hadn't like seen what the, maybe the rest like I hadn't known myself in other relationships, right? So there are sort of like the surface level oh, you don't have to make decisions by committee anymore. Like you can just sort of make your own decisions and, and it, that is more efficient. Um, creatively, I'd always written mostly by myself anyway. So there wasn't a ton of uh, change there. I think that the experiences we had as a band, which were like being an indie band, having a pub deal, signing initially or eventually to a major label. Like we had kind of the the run of the experience of yes. being, a, being a young band. Um, and there was a lot of hard, hard things that came with that. I mean, a lot of like, uh, again, relating it to relationship, if you only know one way of being communicated to or um, learning how to like love yourself or like appreciate what you do, uh, then you're kind of going to be stuck in that way or like think that like, oh, well, all relationships must be like this. And so I'd say like, even today, I still have to remind myself like, okay, it's not like I'm, I'm stuck in that world anymore. Like I've, I've obviously like, I'm in a new place. So you should treat it with that open sort of mind and heart. Uh, and that takes a little time. Like, I, th I don't know, you know, I think it will always shape who I am and, and my decisions. Uh, there were a lot of good things in that time too. Um, so I don't take it at all for granted that, you know, it, it made me who I am. And, and um, I, yeah, it, it, it was a, it didn't feel like a big grand transition either. Cause it was never like in the plans. So yeah. I, I think it was, it was gradual. And one, one thing that I, I would really love to ask you about um, is I, the thing that one of the things I love most about your music is the variety from genre, emotion, uh, you kind of, you cover a lot of bases, you know, you span across like quite a few instruments that you play as well. Um, I think like many artists sometimes get kind of put in a box or pigeonholed as one type of thing, your classical, your rock, your indie, your dance or whatever. Have you have you ever experienced that or have you kind of had the freedom to kind of also just express yourself and kind of go with right from the heart? Yeah. Again, referencing sort of the, the old band, I think we we'd been told by so many people in the industry to to you know, it's okay to grow and, ex and expand your sound, but like, you know, really don't let, essentially don't let your fan base down, like of what they, what they expect from you sonically. Um, and thankfully in hindsight, like whether or not it, it, it took away from the money that we were able to earn or something like we did change quite a bit and it didn't feel like changing, try and chase, chase trends. Like there was some fun we had certainly, um, trying to you know have fun with it and take people along for that ride uh but now and i'll i'll shout out my label for this uh my the, the guy who signed me at network terry um he he continuously like treats me like uh you know that i that i 
he calls them sandboxes. He's like, let's let you play in these different sandboxes, like which I think is like kind of a funny childish uh, um, metaphor. But it really music is is that like music should be fun and should be this freedom of expression that you don't feel boxed in yes. uh, to one way of playing. And so, um, yeah, I have these different different. Uh, and I will be first to say, like, I'm a master of none. Like it's 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 um, even though I was raised classic classically. You know, it's been forever since I played classical piano at that level, and and uh, and same for electronic music or same for rock music. Like I, I've lived in those worlds a bit, and I'm such a fan of those worlds. Um, but it's really just playing like in a sandbox and seeing what you can come up with, and uh, to have a team that supports that is is ultimately really really lucky. Yeah, really really cool. And nice nicely put as well. Like I like, I like the sandbox analogy. Yeah, don't <laughs> take it too seriously. That's the biggest thing as an artist is like, don't take it so, so seriously. talk about sort of tv and film soundtracks because obviously your music's uh, picked up quite a few syncs uh, over the last kind of few years from obviously tv and film um one kind of do you help do you think that's helped grow your fan base and two like um is soundtrack work something you'd like to do in the in the sort of possible future oh absolutely i mean to answer that last question, I think that there, I would love to to have a labyrinth-esque situation where there's this, um, you know, visual piece or series or whatever that, that somebody that works on it is, is a, is a fan of my stuff and thinks that it would be like a, cause I mean, man, in Euphoria, for example, like that, that labyrinth's music in that is like a main character. And I think that finding a series or a, a movie or whatever that where the music can be that that main subtle even at times like main character it would just be a dream so i would love to do it from that because yeah up to this point um it's mostly been like licensed music so the song's done um i didn't have that series in mind or whatever when i was writing it it just fits it you know well for the scene which is again going back to i always say lucky i don't even know if i really believe in luck i'm fortunate to to have been included in those in those opportunities in the past and um anytime i've tried to create something with that in mind like oh this is going to be in so many things like it never is so the the best way to to have that line up in the universe is just not think about it and uh make music that is honest and and fun for you and and what you consider beautiful 
I think Simul, when it started as a project, was very much like cinematic sounding um, because that's what I liked and what I still like. Uh, so to have have those times when it when it um, lines up is great. And I think to answer your question about whether it makes a difference from a uh, like a follower or fan base standpoint, I think it really can. And then mostly no, though. I think I think when it does, it does. And then when when it is just sort of present in, it really depends on the on what it's doing in the scene. Like if it's something uh, where it's meaningful and like that third character, then yeah, hundred percent, it will connect with somebody. But if it's like if it's just there, it's more like just a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which obviously also helps. <laughs> oh, I'm not mad about right? I, think, <laughs> I think it's more expectation, right? Like, because I think when you when you when you're starting out and maybe you haven't had a lot of experience in that world, and you get that that first sink or or and you get that check, you're like, oh my god, not only am I paying my bills, but I am like really benefiting my career. And that second one is not always true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So kind of skip to now. You've got a new album coming out in February. Um, called the day that my father died. Um, could you tell us a bit more about that and the process behind it? And yeah, kind of. Obviously, you've just, as I say, previewed it, previewed some of the tracks on your intimate shows that you've just done. But yeah, could you tell us a bit more about the record itself? Yeah, it it, it has sort of a jarring title um, based on uh, the the experience I had with my my dad passing away during the pandemic and. Um, you know, a lot of my music up to this point is, has dealt with stuff with grief and loss. And, and, uh, I think a bigger, uh, something to note about this record is that it's not a sad record. Like it doesn't feel, um, there's some celebratory songs, uh, it, it's, it's meant more to be like the marking of a perspective shift. Um, when someone leaves our life or if somebody comes into our life, it's, it's really just, uh, a thing that we, you know, can't control in our time on on this earth, and it should shift our perspective even just slightly, so that we can uh, be made different and acknowledge that difference um, as we continue living. Uh, and the the record process was crazy. I did it with this producer named Phil Eck, also from Seattle, um, who's done some amazing work. And we did it at a handful of sort of iconic studios around Seattle. Um, Seattle being the the birthplace of grunge, there are a lot of studios that still exist today where a lot of those um, artists recorded and spent time. So it was um, it was still kind of in the pandemic, so everybody was a little bit nervous getting back together in the same room. So that energy combined with like my dad just having passed and Phil just having his first son born, there was a lot of crazy human uh, things happening where we just sort of had to put them on the side with us as we worked. Um, and, and like I said earlier, like I've really not had a ton of experience, uh, working with outside producers on my music. Um, there's really only been like a handful in my whole life. So each time that happens, it's like a bit of a break, breaking down of my construct that I've built up so strong over the years, um, being alone, uh, that it's, it's really disarming and kind of awful at times, but then to rebuild into uh you know the new version of you or like the 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 redefined you is probably a better better way to think about it creatively is is when somebody puts a mirror up to you and is like well what are you good at like why why do you do that you know um what's a challenge to you like let's do more of that like let's make you uncomfortable as possible before you like 
really stamp this down as, as how you want to say something yeah um creatively that that was just a really special time and now phil and i are really close because of it amazing yeah i mean obviously phil's uh cv speaks for itself so um yeah did you know him before you started the record or we never met we, we sat down for coffee before we agreed to work together and you know what's interesting is that i that was at the time when there was an ep sort of being made right before the record uh so the the last ep that came out um which is called dim is like six songs or whatever it is um all written at the same time as most of these uh songs on the day my father died and uh but they're like starkly different like they sort of naturally separated themselves into um kind of morose <laughs> and like mournful electronic music and like uh compared to like the just less you know the yeah. the, the, the the contrasted side with more of an organic sort of band approach um but yeah we had, we'd not met i told him a funny story though when when I was in Barcelona, we had been in the same studio as 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 him. He basically set up shop for many years in Seattle at a few different studios because of how much he was working with like Band of Horses and Fleet Foxes and Modest Mouse and all these amazing bands. Um, and he had this like giant plate reverb that sort of lived in the hallway uh, and it had his name on it. And, and we were all big fans at the time. And so we were all just take turns like touching it. <laughs> We touched Felix play reverb. <laughs> but of course I told him that he's like, oh, we should still have to play reverb. <laughs> yeah, he's a good um, guy. Yeah, that's very, very cool. Um you, you also recently did a amazing collaboration with Guy Garvey from Elbow. Um, like how did that come about? I I, I I've read that you are a big Elbow fan too, so that must have been really special. Yeah, I'm a huge Elbow fan. I it was one of the uh I got their first, uh, not their first record, but my first record of theirs when I was um, just about that age where I was starting to write songs and, and perform and stuff. And uh, so it was hugely influential um, from a sonic standpoint, from a songwriting standpoint, from, I mean, I hadn't, I didn't even see Elbow perform until uh, I was doing Simul and like playing at the same festival. So like it was a lot of years before I even saw them, like I had friends see them who knew I was a big fan. They're like, Oh, you got to go. I do this weird thing where if I really, really love something, I like don't ever bring it to completion. Like I, uh, like I really like breaking bad and I've never seen the last episode. Really? It's like, shit like that where I, I just keep it because maybe I don't want it to end or like, I don't want the real thing to like be worse than what I've built it up to be or something. I, there's some something to be, you know, discovered there. But um, I saw them at this festival that we were both playing at. And I met Guy there. Um, and he was like exactly who I hoped he'd be. Just as like, you know, this really sweet, warm person. And uh, with no expectation at that point of like, oh, I'm going to ask you to do a song together one day. But as the songs were coming together for this record, there are a number of, of uh, like featured artists on the record. Um, and he was sort of the 11th hour ask. Like I, we'd been talking uh, as a team about who, you know, would fit really well with this song, brainstorming, asked a handful of people and it just, nothing really, really felt natural. Um, uh, people liked the song. It was, I don't know, you know, that was my first experience kind of asking people to join me on songs. A lot of it was really natural, but then like when it's not natural, it feels really like awkward. <laughs> like, oh, this is why, you know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, 
but he was like a a long shot, right? Like he's he's a big deal and and has done a lot of important things. And so to be asked to, I imagine if I'm him, being asked to be a part of this song would be like, I don't even. How did you get past my manager? Like that kind of that kind of thing. But uh, he was sent the song and immediately kind of connected with it. Remembered meeting me, and um, we just took it from there. So he he made it his own. Like wrote his verse, and it's beautiful. And did the video together in London, which was really fun. And yeah, man, I'm I'm happy to know him. I wish I was truly free, like a bird at the mercy of a breeze. Trusting in the soul There like a mother's loss Breaking through the clouds Feels impossible now oh. if, if there was anyone you could collaborate with ever kind of uh, sort of dead or alive is there any is there anyone that would be top of your list if you uh, yeah could do could do a collaboration on for the future man I'm not good at these because I the people I would pick would always be people I would just want to be with watching instead of like collaborating with because I just wouldn't want they've been such big influences that I I, I mean guy was close to that right like I it felt uh, almost like I didn't deserve it, right? But I mean, I would say like Chris Cornell from Soundgarden or or uh, Jeff Buckley, like both of whom are past. But um, I think I'm more just saying I'd I'd love to be watching them create in the studio yeah. uh, or or write a song. I I just have no idea how they did that. So more curiosity than wanting to collaborate. And sort of if you could choose, sort of any record that you you'd played on that would there would there be a certain record that uh you would love to have had a credit on at all well man i mean one that just actually got announced today is uh uh that was a really surpri- surprise a few months ago was lana del rey so I'm, I'm a big lana del rey fan and um uh she reached out about collaborating on the song for her new record that again came out today so i feel okay talking about it but um that was crazy, man. I, I don't that it's the, all the stuff that never gets planned, right? That like you just sort of, um, you know, if you have your head down and you're working hard and and uh, trying to discover that stuff for yourself, like I feel like the and I don't really believe this, but like in crystals and the universe and all that, but or or fate really even, but it does seem like there's an attraction that happens um, between because the the music world's so small, like. It, yes, on one hand, like, you know, however many thousands of songs are getting uploaded every day into the system, into the matrix or whatever. But um, I do think that that the human element is really undeniable in music and, uh, you know, like minds and, and similar positive forces sort of like draw uh, towards each other. And I, that's something that I had to get over. Like, I thought forever that it was like, oh, I'm just getting like these negative, like sociopath, like people attracted to me <laughs> uh, to, to want to work together and to like maybe take advantage or manipulate. And I really had to let that go uh, to, to realize that there are good, good people that and amazing artists that, that would see me as a peer instead of um, like a nothing. Yeah. Awesome.
And 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 lastly, kind of, can you tell us? I mean, I know there's going to be a lot, but uh, what what can you tell us about 2023? Like you've you've obviously got uh, another tour just announced as well. Um, what else? Yeah, what what else? Can you let everyone know what you'll be doing and where you'll be at? Yeah, I mean, I'll be kind of all over. I'll uh, doing doing shows for the new record and and uh, some festivals. Um, but yeah, a lot of it'll be like, I have a, I have a family and, and I hope that, you know, most of the time will be spent at home with family. Um, even though I know there'll be a ton of traveling and playing and at the same time, I also hope that, it, cause I know that when I'm home, like that means I also get to work and be creative, yeah. uh, which I'm not somebody who gets to be that creative or can be that creative on the road. Um, so uh, I'm really looking forward to to creating the next batch of music and and seeing where that leads. Um, and then I also know that there's a bunch of stuff that that as inevitably happens is unexpected and kind of comes into the into the realm uh, to to work on and to have fun with. So I'm excited for those things I don't even know about too. So, but a lot of 2023 will be um, touring in support of the record. So yeah, anyone who's listening. Um like obviously go and check out the tour dates uh there's there's going to be uh i i'm, I'm presuming i i read there's going to be phases so if 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 there's not a date uh near you at the moment i guess just keep checking the schedule to to wait for more dates to be announced exactly yeah we'll, we'll go to some new places this year so um uh i'm really excited about that too i always love going to new new places to to play songs to new friends Awesome. And, and let people ask ask questions. As I was going to say, that's one of my favourite things of the live show is just opening up the floor to questions. It always is such a great part of the show. That's why I do it. I it's it's it never lets down. I actually was able to tell the the guy that I took that from um, a couple of nights ago. I was playing a benefit show here in town and this this artist named Dave, David Bazan. Um, I saw him years ago. As in Pedro uh, the Lion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. He uh, he did it at a show once, and I was like, "That is genius!" <laughs> it's so good. And that was like it's six years before Simul even started, and uh, never did it until like the first Simul show, and I've done it every one since. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today, and um, yeah, we uh, we really look forward to the new record, and um, yeah, we'll catch up with you again at some point soon, no doubt. Thanks for having me, man. Awesome. Thank you.